Book two, sections thirty three to forty two of Against Apian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Against Apian by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book two, sections thirty three to forty two. Now, as for ourselves, I venture to say that no one can tell of so many nay, not of more than one or two, that have betrayed our laws, no, not out of fear of death itself. I do not mean such an easy death as happens in battles, but that which comes with bodily torments, and seems to be the severest kind of death of all others. Now I think those that have conquered us to have put us to such deaths, not out of their hatred to us when they had subdued us, but rather out of their desire of seeing a surprising sight, which is this, whether there be such men in the world who believe that no evil is to them so great as to be compelled to do or to speak anything contrary to their own laws. Nor ought men to wonder at us, if we are more courageous in dying for our laws than all other men are, for other men do not easily submit to the easier things in which we are instituted." I mean working with our hands, and eating but little, and being contented to eat and drink, not at random, or at every one's pleasure, or being under inviolable rules in lying with our wives, in magnificent furniture, and again in the observation of our times of rest. While those that can use their swords in war, and can put their enemies to flight when they attack them, cannot bear to submit to such laws about their way of living." whereas our being accustomed willingly to submit to laws in these instances, renders us fit to show our fortitude upon other occasions also. Yet do the Lysimachi and the Molinese, and some other writers, unskilful sophists as they are, and the deceivers of young men, reproach us as the vilest of all mankind. Now I have no mind to make an inquiry into the laws of other nations, for the custom of our country is to keep our own laws, but not to bring accusations against the laws of others. And indeed our legislator hath expressly forbidden us to laugh at and revile those that are esteemed gods by other people, on account of the very name of God ascribed to them. But since our antagonists think to run us down upon the comparison of their religion and ours, it is not possible to keep silence here, especially while what I shall say to confute these men will not be now first said, but hath been already said by many, and these of the highest reputation also. For who is there among those that have been admired among the Greeks for wisdom, who hath not greatly blamed both the most famous poets and most celebrated legislators, for spreading such notions originally among the body of the people concerning the gods, such as these, that they may be allowed to be as numerous as they have a mind to have them, that they are begotten one by another, and that after all kinds of generation you can imagine. They also distinguish them in their places and ways of living, as they would distinguish several sorts of animals, as some to be under the earth, as some to be in the sea, and the ancientest of them to be bound in hell. And for those to whom they have allotted heaven, they have set over them one, who in title is their father, but in his actions a tyrant and a lord, whence it came to pass that his wife and brother and daughter, which daughter he brought forth from his own head, 
made a conspiracy against him to seize upon him and confine him, as he had himself seized upon and confined his own father before. And justly have the wisest men thought these notions deserved severe rebukes. They also laugh at them for determining that we ought to believe some of the gods to be beardless and young, and others of them to be old, and to have beards accordingly. That some are set to trades, that one god is a smith, and another goddess is a weaver, that one god is a warrior and fights with men, that some of them are harpers or delight in archery, and besides that mutual seditions arise among them, and that they quarrel about men, and this so far that they not only lay hands upon one another, but they are wounded by men, and lament and take on for such their afflictions. But what is the grossest of all in point of lasciviousness, are those unbounded lusts ascribed to almost all of them, and their amours, which how can it be other than a most absurd supposal, especially when it reaches to the male gods and to the female goddesses also? Moreover, the chief of all their gods, and their first father himself, overlooks those goddesses whom he hath deluded and begotten with child, and suffers them to be kept in prison, or drowned in the sea." He is also so bound up by fate that he cannot save his own offspring, nor can he bear their deaths without shedding of tears. These are fine things indeed, as are the rest that follow. Adulteries truly are so impudently looked on in heaven by the gods, that some of them have confessed they envied those that were found in the very act. And why should they not do so, when the eldest of them, who is their king also, hath not been able to restrain himself in the violence of his lust, from lying with his wife, so long as they might get into their bedchamber. Now some of the gods are servants to men, and will sometimes be builders for a reward, and sometimes will be shepherds, while others of them, like malefactors, are bound in a prison of brass. And what sober person is there who would not be provoked at such stories, and rebuke those that forged them, and condemn the greatest silliness of those that admit them for true? Nay, others there are, that have advanced a certain timorousness and fear, as also madness and fraud, and any other of the vilest passions, into the nature and form of gods, and have persuaded whole cities to offer sacrifices to the better sort of them on which account they have been absolutely forced to esteem some gods as the givers of good things, and to call others of them averters of evil. They also endeavor to move them, as they would the vilest of men, by gifts and presents, as looking for nothing else than to receive some great mischief from them, unless they pay them such wages. Wherefore, it deserves our inquiry what should be the occasion of this unjust management, and of these scandals about the deity, and truly I suppose it to be derived from the imperfect knowledge the heathen legislators had at first of the true nature of God, nor did they explain to the people even so far as they did comprehend of it, nor did they compose the other parts of their political settlements according to it, but omitted it as a thing of very little consequence, and gave leave both to the poets to introduce what gods they pleased, and those subject to all sorts of passions, and to the orators to procure political decrees from the people for the admission of such foreign gods as they thought proper. The painters also, and statuaries of Greece, had herein great power, 
as each of them could contrive a shape proper for a god, the one to be formed out of clay, and the other by making a bare picture of such a one. But those workmen that were principally admired had the use of ivory and of gold as the constant materials for their new statues, whereby it comes to pass that some temples are quite deserted, while others are in great esteem and adorned with all the rites of all kinds of purification. Besides this, the first gods, who have long flourished in the honours done them, are now grown old, while those that flourished after them are come in their room as a second rank, that I may speak the most honourably of them I can. Nay, certain other gods there are, who are newly introduced and newly worshipped, as we, by way of digression, have said already, and yet have left their places of worship desolate. And for their temples, some of them are already left desolate, and others are built anew, according to the pleasure of men." whereas they ought to have their opinion about God, and that worship which is due to him, always and immutably the same. But now, this Apollonius Molo was one of those foolish and proud men. However, nothing that I have said was unknown to those that were real philosophers among the Greeks, nor were they unacquainted with those rigid pretensions of allegories which had been alleged for such things on which account they justly despised them, but have still agreed with us as to the true and becoming notions of God. Whence it was that Plato would not have political settlements admit to of any one of the other poets, and dismisses even Homer himself with a garland on his head, and with ointment poured upon him, and this because he should not destroy the right notions of God with his fables." Nay, Plato principally imitated our legislator in this point, that he enjoined his citizens to have the main regard to this precept, quote, that every one of them should learn their laws accurately, end quote. He also ordained that they should not admit of foreigners intermixing with their own people at random, and provided that the commonwealth should keep itself pure, and consist of such only as persevered in their own laws. Apollonius Molo did no way consider this, when he made it one branch of his accusation against us, that we do not admit of such as have different notions about God, nor will we have fellowship with those that choose to observe a way of living different from ourselves. Yet is not this method peculiar to us, but common to all other men, not among the ordinary Grecians only, but among such of those Grecians as are of the greatest reputation among them. Moreover, the Lacedaemonians continued in their way of expelling strangers, and would not indeed give leave to their own people to travel abroad, as suspecting that those two things would introduce a dissolution of their own laws, and perhaps there may be some reason to blame the rigid severity of the Lacedaemonians, for they bestowed the privilege of their city on no foreigners, nor indeed would give leave to them to stay among them whereas we, though we do not think fit to imitate other institutions, yet do we willingly admit of those that desire to partake of ours, which, I think, I may reckon to be a plain indication of our humanity, and at the same time of our magnanimity also. But I shall say no more of the Lacedaemonians. As for the Athenians, who glory in having made their city to be common to all men, what their behaviour was, Apollonius did not know, while they punished those that did not but speak one word contrary to the laws about the gods, without any mercy. For on what other account was it that Socrates was put to death by them? 
for certainly he neither betrayed their city to its enemies, nor was he guilty of any sacrilege with regard to any of their temples. But it was on this account that he swore certain new oaths, and that he affirmed either in earnest, or as some say only in jest, that a certain demon used to make signs to him, which he should not do. For these reasons he was condemned to drink poison and kill himself. His accuser also complained that he corrupted the young men by inducing them to despise the political settlement and laws of their city. And thus was Socrates, the citizen of Athens, punished. There was also Anaxagoras, who, although he was of Clasamente, was within a few suffrages of being condemned to die, because he said the sun, which the Athenians thought to be a god, was a ball of fire. They also made this public proclamation, quote, that they would give a talent to any one who would kill Diagoras of Melos, end quote, because it was reported of him that he laughed at their mysteries. Protagoras also, who was thought to have written somewhat that was not owned for truth by the Athenians about the gods, had been seized upon and put to death if he had not fled away immediately. Nor need we at all wonder that they thus treated such considerable men, when they did not spare even women also, for they very lately slew a certain priestess, because she was accused by somebody that she initiated people into the worship of strange gods, it having been forbidden to do so by one of their laws. And a capital punishment had been decreed to such as introduced a strange god, it being manifest that they who make use of such a law do not believe those of other nations to be really gods, otherwise they had not envied themselves the advantage of more gods than they already had. And this was the happy administration of the affairs of the Athenians. Now as to the Scythians, they take a pleasure in killing men, and differ but little from brute beasts. Yet do they think it reasonable to have their institutions observed. They also slew Anacharsis, a person greatly admired for his wisdom among the Greeks, when he returned to them, because he appeared to come fraught with Grecian customs. One may also find many to have been punished among the Persians, on the very same account. And to be sure, Apollonius was greatly pleased with the laws of the Persians, and was an admirer of them, because the Greeks enjoyed the advantage of their courage, and had the very same opinion about the gods which they had. This last was exemplified in the temples which they burnt, and their courage in coming, and almost entirely enslaving the Grecians. However, Apollonius has imitated all the Persian institutions, and that by his offering violence to other men's wives, and gelding his own sons. Now with us it is a capital crime if any one does thus abuse even a brute beast. And as for us, neither hath the fear of our governors, nor a desire of following what other nations have in so great esteem, been able to withdraw us from our own laws, nor have we exerted our courage in raising up wars to increase our wealth, but only for the observation of our laws. And when we with patience bear other losses, yet when any persons would compel us to break our laws, then it is that we choose to go to war, though it be beyond our ability to pursue it, and bear the greatest calamities to the last with much fortitude. And indeed, what reason can there be why we should desire to imitate the laws of other nations, while we see that they are not observed by their own legislators? 
and why do not the Lacedaemonians think of abolishing that form of their government which suffers them not to associate with any others, as well as their contempt of matrimony? And why do not the Eleans and Thebans abolish that unnatural and impudent lust which makes them lie with males? For they will not show a sufficient sign of their repentance of what they of old thought to be very excellent, and very advantageous in their practices, unless they entirely avoid all such actions for the time to come. Nay, such things are inserted into the body of their laws, and had once such a power among the Greeks, that they ascribed these sodomitical practices to the gods themselves, as a part of their good character. And indeed it was according to the same manner that the gods married their own sisters. This the Greeks contrived as an apology for their own absurd and unnatural pleasures. I omit to speak concerning punishments, and how many ways of escaping them the greatest part of the legislators have afforded malefactors, by ordaining that, for adulteries, fines and money should be allowed, and for corrupting virgins they need only marry them, as also what excuses they may have in denying the facts, if any one attempts to inquire into them. For amongst most other nations it is a studied art how men may transgress their laws, but no such thing is permitted amongst us. For though we be deprived of our wealth, of our cities, or of the other advantages we have, our law continues immortal. Nor can any Jew go so far from his own country, nor be so affrighted at the severest Lord, as not to be more affrighted at the law than at him. If, therefore, this be the disposition we are under, with regard to the excellency of our laws, let our enemies make us this concession, that our laws are most excellent, and if they still imagine, that though we so firmly adhere to them, yet are they bad laws notwithstanding, what penalties, then, do they deserve to undergo, who do not observe their own laws, which they esteem so far superior to them? Whereas, therefore, length of time is esteemed to be the truest touchstone in all cases, I would make that a testimonial of the excellency of our laws, and of that belief thereby delivered to us concerning God. For as there hath been a very long time for this comparison, if any one will but compare its duration with the duration of the laws made by other legislators, he will find our legislator to have been the ancientest of them all. We have already demonstrated that our laws have been such as have always inspired admiration and imitation into all other men. Nay, the earliest Grecian philosophers, though in appearance they observed the laws of their own countries, yet did they, in their actions, and their philosophic doctrines, follow our legislator, and instructed men to live sparingly, and to have friendly communication one with another. Nay, further, the multitude of mankind itself have had a great inclination of a long time to follow our religious observances. For there is not any city of the Grecians, nor any of the barbarians, nor any nation whatsoever, whither our custom of resting on the seventh day hath not come, and by which our fasts and lighting up lamps, and many of our prohibitions as to our food, are not observed. They also endeavor to imitate our mutual concord with one another, and the charitable distribution of our goods, and our diligence in our trades, and our fortitude in undergoing the distresses we are in, on account of our laws. And, what is here matter of the greatest admiration, 
Our law hath no bait of pleasure to allure men to it, but it prevails by its own force. And as God himself pervades all the world, so hath our law passed through all the world also. So that if any one will but reflect on his own country, and his own family, he will have reason to give credit to what I say. It is therefore but just, either to condemn all mankind of indulging a wicked disposition, when they have been so desirous of imitating laws that are to them foreign and evil in themselves, rather than following laws of their own that are of a better character, or else our accusers must leave off their spite against us. Nor are we guilty of any envious behavior towards them, when we honor our own legislator, and believe what he, by his prophetic authority, hath taught us concerning God. For though we should not be able ourselves to understand the excellency of our own laws, yet would the great multitude of those that desire to imitate them justify us in greatly valuing ourselves upon them. But as for the distinct political laws by which we are governed, I have delivered them accurately in my books of antiquities, and have only mentioned them now, so far as was necessary to my present purpose, without proposing to myself either to blame the laws of other nations, or to make an encomium upon our own, but in order to convict those that have written about us unjustly, and in an impudent affectation of disguising the truth. And now I think I have sufficiently completed what I proposed in writing these books, for whereas our accusers have pretended that our nation are a people of very late original, I have demonstrated that they are exceeding ancient, for I have produced as witnesses thereto many ancient writers who have made mention of us in their books, while they had said that no such writer had so done. Moreover, they had said that we were sprung from the Egyptians, while I have proved that we came from another country into Egypt, while they have told lies of us, as if we were expelled thence on account of diseases on our bodies, it has appeared, on the contrary, that we returned to our own country by our own choice, and with sound and strong bodies. Those accusers reproached our legislator as a vile fellow, whereas God in old time bear witness to his virtuous conduct, and since that testimony of God, time itself hath been discovered to have borne witness to the same thing. As to the laws themselves, more words are unnecessary, for they are visible in their own nature, and appear to teach not impiety, but the truest piety in the world. They do not make men hate one another, but encourage people to communicate what they have to one another freely. They are enemies to injustice, they take care of righteousness, they banish idleness and expensive living, and instruct men to be content with what they have, and to be laborious in their calling. They forbid men to make war from a desire of getting more, but make men courageous in defending the laws. They are inexorable in punishing malefactors. They admit no sophistry of words, but are always established by actions themselves, which actions we ever propose as surer demonstrations than what is contained in writing only. On which account I am so bold as to say that we have become the teachers of other men, in the greatest number of things, and those of the most excellent nature only. For what is more excellent than inviolable piety? What is more just than submission to laws? and what is more advantageous than mutual love and concord? 
and this so far that we are to be neither divided by calamities, nor to become injurious and seditious in prosperity, but to contemn death when we are in war, and in peace to apply ourselves to our mechanical occupations, or to our tillage of the ground, while we in all things and in all ways are satisfied that God is the inspector and governor of our actions. If these precepts had either been written at first, or more exactly kept by any others before us, we should have owed them thanks as disciples owe to their masters. But if it be visible that we have made use of them more than any other men, and if we have demonstrated that the original invention of them is our own, let the Apians and the Molans, with all the rest of those that delight in lies and reproaches, stand confuted. But let this and the foregoing book be dedicated to thee, Epaphroditus, who art so great a lover of truth, and by thy means to those that have been in like manner desirous to be acquainted with the affairs of our nation. End of sections 33 to 42. End of Against Apian.